Welcome to Food Love, the space between terroir and the Tao of food. This is episode nine, and I'm very honored to have a very special guest, Velda Thomas, um, who is local to Port Townsend. Uh, she is the owner of Svara Soundbody. She is a magical writer and poet, and I was lucky enough to be introduced to her by Christy Kissler, who is an incredible connector of um, people in the community. So, Velda, I just wanted to say thank you uh, for being a guest on the podcast and for the, the magical work you're putting out there. Periodically, I get a chance to interview artists who help people see more about themselves and their connection to the land and to the place and to their creative spirits. And I, I know that much of the work you do is around energy. And I think there's a good body of your work that is healing. Um, so, so today I want to just give you an opportunity to talk about all the different facets of who you are. And, and I'm happy to, you know, ask a few questions here and there. But maybe I'd just like for you to start with saying um, the things you want to say about yourself and your connection to place. Mm, yeah. Well, thank you for having me. It feels really good to be in conversation with you. And yeah, what can I say? I mean, I live here in the Pacific Northwest in Port Townsend. I don't feel like I really belong here necessarily. Mm -hmm. I was born in the UK. I didn't really feel like I belonged there either. Okay. So I guess, you know, my... My, the thing I say to myself is that my home is, is my body. My mm -hmm. first home is my body. Mm -hmm. And then beyond that, it's a connection to land that's deeper than just the place, I think. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Can you so, talk more uh, about that? Uh, because I don't yeah. think everyone has that understanding. And, you know, people, people in the arts community these days, they're talking about placemaking as if mm -hmm. there's some kind mm -hmm. of buzzword that is somehow going to give you some kind of you know, eternal insight into the profound things. <laughs> but but really, like, when I think about connection to land, my own experience is you, you got to get dirty um, and you got to feel it in different ways and your body has to move through it in different ways. And I want to know what, what's your take on, you know, what land means more than place? Yeah, yeah, that's a really good question. I think if, if I can... Maybe I can tell you a little bit about like, so before I, before I moved here to Port Townsend to kind of a rural community, I had always lived in urban communities. So, mm -hmm. you know, I grew up on the outskirts of London in England. And so that's a, a really, you know, big, big metropolis, a big city. Mm -hmm. And then moved to Seattle, lived in Honolulu. I've been in a lot of, lot of pretty urban, different places. So when I was living in Seattle, I had two young children and my feeling was just that I really wanted them to have a rural experience. My personal connection to the land, I think really came from my grandfather who, he grew up on the island of Dominica in the Caribbean and his, his, um, practice was to use every single inch of land for some kind of production of food. Mm -hmm. And I realized that that was, um, when I went to the Caribbean many years later, realized that that was a practice in the Caribbean islands, that if you have land, you need to use it to create sustenance for yourself and others. Mm -hmm. So 
you know, as a, as a young child, I spent the first four years of my life living with my grandparents and my mother and kind of at his heels learning to weed and could identify a lot of different plants by their leaf by the time I was pretty young. Mm -hmm. So I feel like that was what actually gave me a love of like soil and earth. And I wasn't afraid to be dirty or Mm -hmm. insects didn't bother me. Mm -hmm. It was kind of a, a, a very comfortable place to be. I'm, I, I think I'm going to get back to the question at some point. When I was a teenager, you know, I remember, you know, during those teenage years where you're just struggling to kind of find out who you are, like laying on the ground and just looking at the clouds, mm. just, just really finding a lot of solace, I guess, from the earth, a lot of peace and a lot of comfort mm-hmm. from the earth. I, I said, I made, I, I paint sometimes mm-hmm. and... I made a painting kind of in my 20s where I wrote on the painting, animals and plants understand me more than people. Ah. So that was my feeling. It still is a little bit my feeling. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes I'm kind of a little uncomfortable as a person, as a human. So anyway, I I grew up in in those urban environments, but always finding a little patch of garden or plant life or animal life. Mm-hmm. So when my when I had young children, I wanted them to have a, a bigger experience of that. But I think I also really needed a bigger experience of that. Mm-hmm. My nervous system in the city was really fried. Mm-hmm. I was just, it, it just wasn't working for me. So when we moved out here, we moved on to 20 acres mm-hmm. and lived in a converted barn with solar panels for electricity, rain catchment for water, really pretty rustic and rural. Mm -hmm. We had goats and horses and chickens and dogs. And I felt that my whole body was being repaired Mm. by, by this, the land and, and the environment, um, the quiet and just, you know, I also found that I had to be a little brave because I had to you know, I kind of challenged myself. Sometimes I was afraid of the dark in the countryside, mm-hmm. you know, all the city lights. So yeah. I would, you know, take, try and take walks at night in the forest and just wow. kind of find a spot to sit, mm-hmm. to have the experience of what is it like when you actually sit in the dark and mm-hmm. what it's like is it actually becomes light. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. So, so, um, yeah, I, I mean, I felt like I learned a lot about myself and it, for me, being being in a body connected to land, I, I think now when I go to the city, I don't like to be there for a long time, but I can, I can manage because I have a more grounded sense of self mm-hmm. now from being connected to the land. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow, that's... Um, is that, is that enough? Yeah, that, that those are amazing observations. And I think, you know, I've had some experiences close to some of that. I, I grew up on property where, you know, one of my, in my youth, I would say one of my best friends was a special tree. <laughs> I know that sounds strange, but I would go to it regularly, climb it and sit in its arms and contemplate many yeah. things. So I, I have that understanding of, of um, sometimes feeling more understood um, by the earth itself than by other people. Yeah. 
Absolutely. And that's, and Mm -hmm. I I also would say that there's an aspect to living in the world and maybe having like a really big heart that feels so much. Mm -hmm. And a friend of mine just recently said, and I haven't, I haven't really done any poetic work or anything necessarily, but he said to me that I had a poet's heart and I don't know what that means, but it's just, I think mm. it is kind of a sensitivity okay. to observing the world at kind of deep, deep levels and, and feeling things. Yeah. And, and that in combination with kind of some of the stoicism that comes from my multiple heritages, you know, it's a, it's in conflict. And yet, you know, the earth receives you exactly as you are every single day. And I think about that because we just had earth day yesterday and what a beautiful gift, yes. you know, if you just commune as you did throughout your youth, then mm-hmm. you are restored naturally. Um, and so when you're younger, I think you just yes. find the things you need, right? And as you get older, you kind of become distanced. Um, you get kind of trapped into the patterns of of life, right? Like making a living and, and taking mm-hmm. care of people. So mm-hmm. I can see where, you know, it's good to have those strong memories and then to have managed to get yourself back onto the land and back with the animals and whatever husbandry that you're you're doing um you know that that makes you a steward of a different kind which Mm -hmm. you know I I can think that's kind of like the eternal return right that virtuous cycle when I talk about the Tao of food there's an aspect to it where once you recognize your your place in that cycle right? How you kind of contribute in and receive from it, that that kind of makes you whole on some level, or at least attempts to. Yeah. I feel like listening to you speak, it's making me think about, you know, not, uh, of course, those things that I'm talking about connecting with the earth are really beautiful things, but there are also like places in my life that were traumatic that forced me to to go to the earth so almost like sometimes I like to talk about trauma Mm -hmm. and its gifts that it it has this ability to kind of take you to a place where you can't do Mm -hmm. anything but listen and and in that listening place that's where you know I think deep listening to kind of your inner calling, your heart, your soul, then brings you to that knowing of, for some reason, I just feel like I really need to lay on the grass right now. It just feels right. It doesn't matter where I am. I just need to take my socks off and put my feet in the earth. And and those kind of things, I think, you know, the trauma that I've experienced in my life kind of brought me to the earth and brought me to listening and brought me to energy work and writing as well that's yeah. that's um such yeah. a, a, a great gift for you to share I think with people because so yeah. so many people mm-hmm. so many people including myself have experienced trauma um at different levels and every experience of it mm-hmm. is important to face at in your own pace and in your own time as one evolves mm-hmm. and I do think like for myself I've always sort of said you know in that process your heart breaks and then if one is able to kind of acknowledge that heartbreak you can think about it as the universe's opportunity for you to break down walls create more expansive space Mm -hmm. in the heart to allow for a rebuilding right of your own intention Mm -hmm. that that serves you and then serves 
what what you love or whom you love in in a different way that is more yeah. powerful than what you began with and and for me that that yeah. journey included like really understanding compassion at such a deep level that I would never go back and erase. I would only go back to respect and acknowledge the experience to integrate it and to say, I am a different kind of person as a result, but have more capacity, more bandwidth to love. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I saw, I can't remember the movie, but this one phrase was if not love, then what? You know, it, it's kind of like, I feel like sometimes, you know, that's that's where we need to get to. Mm-hmm. That kind of expansive space of unconditional love and forgiveness, trust for ourselves. Yeah, yeah. yeah. well, that's so beautiful. You know, it's, it's amazing to have this conversation with you because it's at such a different level and we've probably only spoken, is it two times, three times maybe in, in yeah. preparation? Um, and I, I want to thank you for, for all that you're sharing. Uh, when when Christy mentioned this, she, she thought immediately of, oh, Veld is in the process of exploring bees and what it would be like to have yeah, yeah, bees yeah. on the land that you have. And... Yeah. It's always been a curiosity to me. Like I've often thought about it, but I have never investigated. Um, there's certain things where I know, like that's just that's a someday kind of you know inquiry for me. Mm-hmm. And I th- I think about bees right now because bees are in this I think at a pivot point right in our um, in how we hold bees in their in our ecosystem right where we're we're planting mm-hmm. too many almond trees we're deploying bees as if they're like mercenaries or something like, you know, for our use mm-hmm. and our hire mm-hmm. and it's in imbalance. And so when I think about the Tao yeah. of food, you know, like how much honey do we really need to have on a commercialized level yeah. versus a local level? I think about the kinds of things that I don't feel like I understand as a consumer, you know, where things are interfering with their signaling Right. And you can think about that. And when people write about it in articles, it sounds very scientific. And and yet, like, there's this part of me, the, the, the kid that used to sit on the grass or sit in the arms of the tree that says, hey, those bees have a community. They have a hive. They, they are ancient. You know, they, they mm-hmm. are between the bees and the plankton. We really get down to the small things that really matter to us between, you know, how we have our food and how we get our oxygen in the world. And I just don't think the average people right now really think about this. Like I just I thought I just saw this report, you know, from experts in the business world. McKinsey Mm -hmm. just put out like charts that move the world. And the chart showed how people when they purchase things they're looking at price and quality like as the top runners Mm -hmm. and then they're Mm -hmm. you know social good and effect on Mm -hmm. the environment is towards the bottom Mm -hmm. like people don't really care Mm -hmm. like we think they care because there's all this labeling and branding and I feel like you taking on looking at bees and whether you would have them it's like Mm -hmm. a commitment back to the earth you know to to even investigate it and to think about it and and it's a big responsibility yeah. too. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So I wondered if you could share what you what you just know right now, like the responsibility yeah, and all that. that. Yeah. So 
So right now, let's first of all say that I'm waiting for my first bees to arrive so that I can install them into my beehive. I have two beehives that I've set up. Actually, the these beehives, this is interesting because these beehives came to me from people who no longer wanted to try to keep bees. Either it was too hard for them or they had lost a colony and were really devastated and didn't want to try again. So I, I got most of the parts to these two beehives and then I had to buy a few things to kind of get them, get them to a stage where they can now take bees living in them. So initially when I thought about keeping bees was quite a few years ago, but I, I feel like actually I probably wasn't really ready. So now the way that I'm approaching it is a little different. So, you know, I think most people, when, when uh, you think about keeping bees, most people will say, oh, I'm, uh, are you, are you going to have honey? So my take on it is I'm really looking at keeping bees and trying to work on my relate my transactional extractive relationships. Mm. So I'm keeping bees and I even I'm even like looking at myself and saying to myself, what are the things that you do, Velda, that are just you're just doing them because you love to do them, that are not about productivity or capitalism mm. or you know, how many of those things do you have in your life? Mm. So the bees hopefully for me will be one of those things. And also in a, in a spiritual context, I already feel like I'm learning about, it's helping me to let, so I got a little bit disappointed when I realized, oh, wow, you know, I'm going to have to like feed these bees Mm. sugar syrup for the first, I don't know how many months that they're they're in their hive here with me. And I'm like, I don't even use white sugar. I never buy it. Like, like, how come I'm going to have to do this with the bees? And I kind of realized, I was like, oh, you know, what I'm really looking for is I'm looking to become a part of their colony. Mm. As a steward, I'm looking to understand enough about them that I can understand by the sound of them what they might Mm. need or by just watching them or you know when I open the hive be able to kind of have a sense intuitively of what's going on for them and what they may Mm. need the same way as in my garden I want to become part of that ecosystem so that I know oh this plant needs water now or you know you know just to just to be connected in that way. So, so that's, so I'm really not having bees to have honey. Mm-hmm. I don't really eat honey that much oh, myself, man. but, I, but I will say that recently, so the bee exploration, I was like, okay, if I am going to have bees, I want to like partake in some of the things that they do offer. So I started off by buying some local pollen, mm. local to Mm -hmm, take. mm -hmm. And I started taking that in the winter, actually. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, it's this kind of granular substance Mm -hmm. that I gave it to one of my son's friends. And he said, oh, it kind of tastes a little bit like matcha, Mm -hmm. but but honey, Mm -hmm. you know, so so I just take a little bit every day and I feel like it's helped me with allergies Mm -hmm. this season. I feel pretty strong. And then I bought some uh, comb honey. So where it's like the honey with the beeswax in it, mm-hmm. just to, t- 
to taste that. And then I also bought some honey from a local beekeeper, which all, all my family said, wow, you know, this honey tastes so different. Mm. That it's really from like five miles down the road from where we live. So these bees have been gathering nectar and pollen from from this area to create honey. Mm-hmm. So those are the things that I'm doing right now to prepare for the bees coming. I had to make an area on our land. Um, I call it my bee yard. Yeah. So it, it's kind of like, you know, I just put wood chips down and, and the beehives like to be elevated off the ground for ventilation. And I had my first experience of actually working with the bees kind of um, a few weeks ago at the farm where I'm learning. Mm-hmm. And it, what surprised me was I'm really, I, I really don't consider myself to know very much about insects at mm-hmm. all. And I even, I'm a little, I'm, I've been stung by wasps and I'm really frightened oh, of being stung yeah. by a wasp. Uh-huh. So I'm like, oh, I've never been stung by a bee, uh-huh. but I'm going to do this beekeeping thing anyway, uh-huh. you know? That's brave. um, That's very brave. Yeah. Yeah, But you know, I'm I'm suited up and I've got my, my, um, my veil on and my jacket on and I'm, my, my pants are tucked into my socks and I'm all gloves on and everything. And I went out there and what surprised me was that I just had this, this inner feeling of like vibrant excitement. Mm. It wasn't like I was scared. I was so in wonder and reverence mm. of these bees mm-hmm. that I was, yeah, it was really just super magical and kind of dreamy. You know, mm-hmm. the people that I'm learning from say, you know, you have to move as if you're doing Tai Chi. So Ooh. you move and you're around the bees. So, ah. so um, it was just a really beautiful experience, wow. you know, and I think that whatever kind of frequency bees are bringing into the world more of it more of it is necessary and I think you know just being around them feels medicinal to me wow that that's an exceptional painted picture of that experience thank you yeah Yeah, especially when you started saying tai chi I'm like oh wow I should I should learn from you after you learn (laughs) (laughs) I, I practice tai chi and there's a feeling of fluidity and energy flow that is medicinal um, from the practice yeah. of it. So, so that's, that's a joy to hear. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's amazing. And I wanted to go back to something you said about this, uh, you use the word transactional and, and how mm-hmm. with respect to the honey, you know, we, we think about mm-hmm. products a lot mm-hmm. in, in our society. And I, I love the idea of not being transactional because I think even you know, in looking at bees, if, if the bees and the way that they live together um, in their hive become this metaphor for how we interact with each other, you know, as people in community, mm-hmm. I have felt, you know, very significantly in the last, I get maybe several months over a year, I don't know for how long I've been feeling this, but I have felt that people have moved more towards transactional relationships. And they're not, I can't even call them relationships anymore. Like, you know, that there's people are even responding, like the way they communicate, maybe it's because of texting, maybe it's because of Twitter, you know, the, the back and forth between people is no longer this opportunity seen to get to know someone. 
It's an opportunity to communicate what they need to communicate, to get back what they need to do the next thing. So yeah. the people are lost in that transaction. And, you know, I, I just feel like intuitively there's something about getting back to nature and watching the interdependencies of the bees together, right? And mm-hmm. and how they, you know, have their roles and their functions and how it works, you know, how it works on some level. So I'm curious to see what comes out of your observations. Yeah. It, it'll be really amazing, I think. Well, I think also kind of like on that, on that kind of subject of, you know, transactional kind of relationships, I think that... what you're talking about, like in relationships with people, I sometimes wonder, you know, like, do you want to know me for who I am or for what I'm producing or what I can offer you? Mm -hmm. Right. So I, I even, you know, I think about that in a lot of different relationships in my relationship with horses. It's kind of like, am I here just because I want to put a saddle on your back and ride you or Am I here to have a relationship with you? Because relationships take time mm-hmm. and energy yes. and effort, yes. right? So so I think that, you know, like what I'm talking about with the bees, it's kind of like I'm trying to get to know you. I, I want to know you for who you are, mm. not, not for what I'm kind of, I, I'm not clothing you in anything, you know, it's kind of like, I just want to know your essence mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and be, yeah. yeah, that's, that's very powerful yeah. and unique. I think I, I, I don't know that many people, I haven't heard of anybody talk about bees that way yet. I'm sure people feel that way who have them. But I feel like even with people, Rufina, it's kind of like, I don't, I don't feel like I'm needing anything. Mm-hmm. So if I'm in, rela- if I'm complete myself, mm-hmm. then when I come to you, I just want to know you. Yes. I don't need anything. Right. You know, it's, it's kind of like, if I need it something, then maybe I'm going to find somebody to pay to get that something. Right. right? right. Mm-hmm. But, um, but in, in personal relationships, I think it's, I think it's really important to just be like, you know, this is who I am and this is what I'm about. and just meet me right here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I think that's such a good piece of wisdom to share with people mm-hmm. because I don't think that everybody recognizes that, that in so many of the conversations that are happening today, conversations that happen as a result of even watching the news, right? Mm-hmm. That people are um, sometimes, you know, twisting and turning with the winds of the news and being grounded in your own identity being grounded when you come to the conversation can change the full outcome of how a conversation happens in today's world around Mm -hmm. many of the things that are causing people pain. And so I I like that reminder of, you know, Hey, you know, let me come to you whole and complete. Mm -hmm. And in that way we can actually enjoy each other so much more, right? There's so much more joy to be had. Well, that's the, that's the thing. yeah. 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 Well, thank you for that. I um, want to make sure that, I mean, I feel like we covered um, relationship to the land. Do you feel like there's anything different? Like what, why did you pick this area versus any other area? Was it just because you had been here because you were close to Seattle or was there something about it? Because some people tell me 
you know, especially I'm interested in this because of your energy work. Some people say Port Townsend has a specific frequency or mm-hmm. energetics that, you know, mm-hmm. is maybe calls people on some level. Yeah. We had, as a family, you know, we had looked at Eastern Washington because we always felt like that just the vastness and the weather being a little different, a little more heat. Mm-hmm. And we ended up here, I think, yeah, I can't really say. I mean, it just kind of naturally happened. Right. I can't really say that we were specifically looking to be in Port Townsend. Mm-hmm. But we came here and it just felt easy and comfortable and we stayed. So we've been here now um, 14 years. Oh, wow. I didn't realize you had lived here that long. Oh, wonderful. That's great. It's been a while. Yeah. And energetically, I feel like it's, it, it. I don't know. I think the Pacific Northwest in general is an easy place to be, mm. an easy place to live. Mm. You know, the, it's the temperate climate. It's, it's you know, people are pretty laid back most of the time. It's mm. it's not a super hard place to be for me mm-hmm. anyway. Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. Okay. wonder, could we talk a little bit about how how you eat because you mentioned and I I asked this because you're kind of living off the land you have animals and you also are in relationship with them and I don't I've never asked you you know do you eat meat do you not eat meat like how are you how are you eating I do I do eat meat not a lot of meat I like, you know, I, I like to try to aim for a, a plant-based diet mm-hmm. as much as I can. Mm-hmm. I don't eat very much grain. I try not to. It's it's more a health thing mm-hmm. than anything else. I feel like it causes some inflammation. So I um, I try to kind of cut, cut down on the grains. Yeah, I'm a big, I like spices a lot. Ah. So I'm a big kind of spice person. So I really like curries and chilies and diff- coconut milk and like just kind of different different spices in my food. I like soups a lot, mm-hmm. salads, any kind of greens. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And um, so so that means you probably you probably don't eat your, your animals are more like pets, maybe. Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> I don't have those animals here anymore. Oh, okay. Okay. That was when we lived. Now we live closer to Port Townsend on two and a half acres. So we don't have animals here. Okay. We have a dog and we will have bees. Yeah. Okay. I but see. Those animals, the goats were actually fiber goats. Oh, wow. And the horses, we kind of joke that they were maybe just really large lawnmowers. <laughs> that's good. That's good. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's beautiful. And I, I think that's a nice way to think about things. Like when I was in culinary school, um, I did some short research paper on, um, you know, how how people can move their cows to kind of really create stewardship of the land and to really look at them as the cattle as, as big lawnmowers, basically, you know, mm-hmm. that are also restoring nutrients to the soil as they as they right. move and migrate. So I do like to think of them. And I, I was just out recently looking at sheep that um, somebody locally is taking care of. And I, I looked at them as, you know, they were in, in tall, like, I don't know, probably three feet high grass. And I was like, that that will be gone probably at some point. Like, I'm sure that sheep will do something with that. 
And um, it's, it's a pretty wondrous thing how efficient nature is mm-hmm. as long as it has the ability to do what it does, right? If you kind mm-hmm. of let the animals do what they do and you let the earth kind of regenerate itself naturally, maybe with mm-hmm. some intention in these days um, because, yeah. because we have to be more intentional. Yeah, that could be really exciting to see. Well, I wonder, do you want to talk a little bit about your writing at all? And yeah, I would yeah. love to. Okay. Yeah. So sometimes I think I sometimes I think I was always a writer. Mm. As a as a young person, as a angst-ridden teenager, I used to write a lot about death. Oh wow. A lot, of, a lot of poetry about death and writing about death. I was kind of like just super interested in existence, I guess. Mm. Like, like even now, I sometimes think to myself, like, how is it that life can be, a, 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 it can be so strong and at the same time so fragile? Mm. A human life, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, it's like a little thing, and it could be, and you could be gone, mm-hmm. and. But but then you can be so vital. So I've always been interested in that mm. as a as a subject kind of existence, and and I'm very much so kind of a person that is very deep deeply interested in humanity and our evolution. Mm. I would say, mm-hmm. yeah. So um, so you know, as a young child, I used to write stories and make little books and kind of do that. And then for many, many years, I didn't write at all. Oh. I, I just lived. I, I made, I had journals. Mm. That's not to say I did have journals, but I, I would not, I was not looking to share my writing with anything. It was really all my own process. Mm-hmm. And then a few years ago, I went to Morocco for the first time. And I was in Morocco and I was sitting on a rooftop just kind of sunning myself and I picked up my phone and just started to write wow. and it, it just kind of it, it was like um it became like kind of this meditative practice kind of every day that I would just pick up my phone every now and again and just keep writing mm. so when I came back from that trip in Morocco I had a body of work that was travel writing wow. from my perspective essentially mm-hmm. and I think I started posting a little bit on Facebook okay. and then I, uh, you know, that kind of broadened into a lot of personal narrative, like kind of, um, there was a, a lot of, a few pieces that I did about my mom and her death mm-hmm. and some pieces around, um, my identity as a biracial person. Mm-hmm. And it just, it, yeah, it just kind of kept flowing and people were very encouraging mm-hmm. and very supportive. Supportive. Mm-hmm. So I decided um, last year, I was like, okay, you know, I really am enjoying writing and really feeling like it might be something that I want to do more of in the future. So I started a Patreon account and actually took down a lot of my writing that had been on Facebook, mm-hmm. on other social media platforms mm-hmm. and edited them and reworked them and put them on Patreon. Nice. So I I can't I don't I'm not sure how many pieces I have on Patreon right now. I'm a very visual person, mm-hmm. so I post a lot of image uh-huh. as well with my with my writing. I'm right now I'm working on I have two two projects going on. 
One is a book that I'm working on called Blended, which is, um, let me see, I actually have it here. It's called, it's Blended Perspectives on Race and Belonging. Mm. And it's also a participatory notebook. So I wanted to leave blank space in the book so that during the reading, the reader can also kind of process and create Mm and express themselves through the text. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> that's in process and will hopefully be self-published this year. Wonderful. That's my goal is to have that this year. And I've also done the artwork for it myself. Mm-hmm. So I kind of went back to kind of my my childhood dreams of wanting to be a visual artist mm-hmm. and made block prints for this oh, book. Wonderful. So that's been really, it's been a really fun project. I'm excited about it. I can't wait to have it. <laughs> I'll yeah, buy, buy and pre-order. And then, yeah, so that's that's in the in the works right now. I also have I did a bunch of writing about trauma, mm. trying to. I think my goal was trying to write about trauma from the perspective of having it be alchemized in my body, mm. or kind of how it alchemized through my body. Mm. So I think that will end up being a little a little book Mm -hmm. of some sort, the little book of trauma or Mm -hmm. something like that. I don't know. And then right now I'm working on a, an Oracle deck based on horse wisdom. Wow. That's so interesting. So that's my, that's my latest Patreon project right now. So for many years, whilst working with horses, I would hear intuitive messages Mm -hmm and write them down. So I, I, I did a lot, have done a lot of body work on horses Mm, Okay. and I would write down the messages and document them, uh, make charts for people, for the owners. And I took all of those messages and kind of condensed them. And that's what I'm working on now on Patreon, the messages from the horses. So they kind of come through as like a message from an individual horse, a message from like kind of a a body of horses that I call the Spirit Horse Council. Mm. Wow. And really they're 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 messages for for humans. Mm. You know, mm. they're kind of like, you know, we're we we're willing to share ourselves with you and mm. offer this wisdom to you. So horses are yeah. very special and all animals are special, but there's something about horses and their connection to humans at that intuitive, energetic level that to me strikes me as different. And I say this from my experience of knowing someone who was part of a nonprofit that, you know, had horses horses available and in relationship to children who were autistic um, to kind of mm. build relationship. Yeah. And then also a friend of mine who is a practitioner of Tai Chi and I call him the horse whisperer because he had such an innate understanding of horses and how they are in relationship to each other and how they are in relationship to people and mm-hmm. how he could simply know the the energy of the moment in relationship mm-hmm. to an individual horse and then in relationship to a group of horses. I mean, it was just, to me, it looked like magic when I would yeah. see him take a, a horse he didn't even know, but it didn't matter that he didn't know this horse, that he hadn't built relationship because he was always listening to the energy of the horse he was looking mm-hmm. for the cues in the horse to tell him what was happening. So when you tell me, you know, that there's this wisdom from horses, I say, mm-hmm. yes, yes, I have seen mm-hmm. it. I've never heard anyone articulate it, 
but I can't, I can't wait to, to see what that looks like yeah. in translation. I think it's also kind of like, you know, what you're talking about is like, there's a couple things that made me think about one that as people, we have become kind of dull to cues that are um, not audible, mm-hmm. even in one another, you know, like I think in some ways, like wearing masks right now has made us a little bit more sensitive because we realize, oh my God, you know, when you can't see the lower half of somebody's face, there's certain things that you just don't pick up on yeah. com- in communication. So I think one of the things that horses have the ability to share with us is how to listen to things that are not not obvious. Mm-hmm. The really a really subtle um, listening skills can be developed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And the other thing I th- I think often about horses is about this kind of I don't know what what to call it, but like horses have been of service in such a profound way to humanity, mm-hmm. and yet they're still so free. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's kind of like, you know, sometimes I think to myself, wow, you know, you're like a 1200 pound animal that is giving yourself over to this child. And yet at Mm. any moment you could explode Mm. and fly free, Mm -hmm. you know, but this ability to be of service that yeah, in a way that is very is not attached. Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's quite magical. That is yeah. that is in the way that you express it. I see it so like a new, like a brand new way of looking mm-hmm. at it. So yeah, I can appreciate yeah. that. I've been um, reading the Chronicles of Narnia with my six year old, and it has been an emotional reading of these books. I, I hadn't read all of them. I think I had only read maybe two of them in my youth and you know that this author could imagine a world where there were talking animals Mm -hmm. who were given the respect and the love um, of humans at such a different deeper way you know to see them Mm -hmm. equally that concept to me seems so ahead of its time and also so natural like why why had why had that ever changed in our yeah. history and so when you talk yeah. about these things i think it's it's a nice way of kind of just giving people an opportunity a different entry point into choosing a different relationship you know we, in in our house we have a um, we call him the sentient cat and he's named after um, an artist he's, his name is Jackson Pollock because <laughs> um because when we got him he was he had like a, a a swath of um, neon pink paint on him. Somebody must have accidentally spray painted him. We picked him up at the um, Humane Center and it was a strange day because I woke up and I said to my family, we have to go to the Humane Center. I don't, we had just lost a dog who had passed. And I said, I don't want to come home with any pets. I just want to go look and I don't even know why. And it was before we were moving to Port Townsend. And I thought, it is such a weird time to want to go look anyway, because we were not trying to have more to take with us. Um, and when we went, you know, this this cat just sort of picked us. Mm-hmm. And then we we learned that this cat, you know, he, he just has so much of his own personality. In one of the neighborhoods we lived in, in Port Townsend, he was making his own friends and they had their own mm-hmm. nicknames for him. And he had entered our hearts and really be- 
become a family member. And it wasn't that we hadn't had that experience before with other animals, but that the the nature of this cat, his ability to pick up on cues from people mm-hmm. is so strong and his ability to, you, you know, nurture people, not mm-hmm. just us, but people in the community. It was just so, yeah. so interesting. One day um, a neighbor came by, we had not met her, but we had had a huge snowstorm and she came across the street to see if um, she, we could, you know, give her some water because the, her water pipe, I think, had frozen. And she, the door opened, she saw Jackson and she said, oh, hi, Snowball. You know, she, <laughs> she, she said, oh, I've been feeding your cat um, white anchovies. <laughs> and I thought, oh, so that's what's going on. That's why he's, you know, not so hungry when he comes home. Um, and, you know, if we let things kind of develop organically, like so much more love gets shared, you know, mm-hmm. and when we can respect the animals in a way that allows their own personalities to come through in their lifetime. I just think mm-hmm. the world is a better place. So I'm, I'm super excited about all the work that you're embarked on and yeah. just excited about, you know, the gift of it all. Yeah. I wanted to ask you if there was anything else you wanted to share with um, the listeners of Food Love in any way. Yeah. Well, I'm, I guess I'm thinking about the one thing I'm thinking about is healing. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, like the word healer is kind of a little loaded. Mm -hmm. And I myself, I feel like the way that I work with my clients in my bodywork practice, bodywork energy work practice, is I like to feel that we're in collaboration. Mm-hmm. We're, we're working together in collaboration. Mm-hmm. And I have been, I guess, you know, I'm super grateful that I have enough energy to hold space mm-hmm. for people to kind of unfold and feel safe enough to really receive. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I think I just, I really want to encourage people to, to be with themselves, to listen to themselves and to kind of step forward on their healing journeys, you know, whatever that means, Mm -hmm. however it looks, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes it can be, I say to say to myself sometimes, you know, sometimes it's as simple as just sitting on the porch and drinking a cup of tea and taking a deep breath. Mm -hmm. And other times you need someone to hold space for you so that you can kind of go a little deeper. Mm -hmm. And all the things that I have, you know, I've been super fortunate to really, you know, I really, I'm, I view the earth, the horses, the people around me are all my teachers. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like I'm always learning. Mm-hmm. There's always something new that I, I feel like I learn. So trying to stay humble and grateful and yeah, bring the, bring all the, um, spiritual entities around me that support me forward you know mm-hmm. yeah well, yeah I think yeah. that's important to talk about in these times because when we I feel like people a lot of people I'm seeing are are walking around with a lot of different kinds of feelings of injury or mm. you know feeling damaged or feeling traumatized from mm. you know just what's happening every day yeah, not just 
their own personal histories of experience. Mm -hmm. And so just having conversations about healing can, can trigger someone to think about what would that look like, you know, in, in this life, in this life that I have. Mm -hmm. And, and I think most of the time, the encouragement to just take that first step in whatever way, you know, I, I have this, um, mentor in my life who, who, um, coach and mentor, I would say she, she says, when you catch the scent of something, you should follow it. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, so I think that's a thing like, you know, catching the scent of, oh, it would be nice to have bees. Right. Or, oh, it would be, you know, for me, it's been, oh, it would be nice to get back to visual arts and that somehow, Mm -hmm. you know, unfolding in this pandemic has been this artist connect group that I was invited to join by a friend and wow, like the world opened up again, you know, and Mm. then I experienced a return to self. Like that's huge, but it's that first one step, like accept the invitation from wherever it comes and catch the scent and follow it. Yeah. I feel like that's how my writing has evolved. Mm. Mm -hmm. Just kind of like, you know, sometimes you're digging in the garden and you're, you like start hearing these words. And if you don't stop and actually catch them they're gone forever yes yes (laughs) I'm only at the beginning of experiencing what you're talking about and I I was just on this journey um to Oregon and we my my partner had found this amazing beautiful spot a little bit by accident where we had to park overnight because we hadn't made a plan (laughs) we're not experienced um travelers yet and but what happened was through his great driving and maneuvering, we were isolated on this sort of overlook. And I looked up into the sky and there were all these amazing, beautiful stars. And mm. I had been feeling so stressed out by all of this violence against Asian Americans. And I'd been feeling mm-hmm. so stressed for the the people whom I love who are Black American mm. and it just got to feel too much, especially because I do some uh, work with leaders, women and people of color mm-hmm. on leadership development. And over the last several years, more has come up around how to navigate, how to, how to simply be in one's own skin and identity and how to show mm-hmm. up as a leader in different spaces. And so the most amazing thing like you know, the, the, there was like a circle of large trees around our RV and then like a portal to the sky and then this deeply starry, starry night. And the the words came to me, celestial bodies, right? Like, gosh, mm-hmm. we all, even on earth, are still celestial bodies. And yeah, sometimes we beautiful. forget that. We forget that when I look at you, I, I can see the divine energy, Right. I should be able to see that every time I look at another human being, right? Because you can see through just in the same way that my friend who is the horse whisperer, right? How he can Mm -hmm. see the energy of another being, Mm -hmm. a horse, and just know it. Mm -hmm. And I think if we don't start talking about that healing piece and the energy of all of it and recognizing that divinity in each other. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, th- yeah. I think that's a, like 
you know, I come from this culinary background. Um, on the one hand, I come from this law background. On the other hand, you know, and the the all of it though makes sense to you know these aspects. You know that we've talked about being multifaceted people, yeah, but definitely. everything makes sense to me when I say, okay, I I recognize and I see this light within you, right? Mm-hmm. And if more and more people could hear that and see it, and even if they don't get it yet, mm-hmm. try to search it out and catch a whiff of it somewhere, yeah. that would be yeah. incredible. Yeah, yeah. I would love to um, read you a piece, yes. a short piece of writing, if you would like that. I would love so, that. I would love that for our listeners. Yeah. yeah, this one is called Under Elements. Let power charge through you. Step bravely into true autonomous strength, feeding your soul from the core of the earth. Source power is infinitely available. Let fluidity move you, tears creating space for life to birth forced. Be like seagrass in warm salt water, gentle, tender, but strong enough to move freely with every current. Float your resonant magic throughout time. Let warmth penetrate as the sun's outer rays kiss melanin in skin. While inner fire is kindling, ignited by bold imagination to spark change. Hold vigil in your spacious womb of creation. Dream yourself a new reality. Go on, rename yourself. Let light fill and surround you, arriving at a place where the weight of history becomes air in your bones. Laugh, smile, giggle, find levity in each step of the journey, generosity flowing in action. Wow. (laughs) Wow. That's so beautiful. And, um, carries the energy of healing. I feel it. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I, I, I want to say that we're all healers. Mm. You know, it's not exclusive yeah. to somebody who has a certificate from a school. It's like we all have healing ability. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I believe that. And I, I believe, I believe the same thing about self-healing, right? That like, that mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be external from from your own intuitive wisdom. Yeah. Though it, though I think it can help sometimes if you have someone who can facilitate that. You know, that's also yeah. a, a good thing to be open to. I have so enjoyed this conversation with you Valda. Is there is there yeah. anything that you want to say um to sort of leave with our listeners? I feel like they don't need anything more than just what you read. <laughs> You know, it's so complete and whole in and of itself, but I do want to give you that opportunity if you want to say anything more. Gosh, I mean, there's just so much I could say, but then, you know, it's sometimes I, I think what, you know, what I sometimes hold on to for myself is just this knowing that things can be perfect and imperfect mm-hmm. at the same time, yes. that there's Right now, you know, I think there's a lot of binary thinking and I think it's going to be important to move into a more spectrumed nuance maybe to kind of 
grow as as a species. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe maybe kind of just recognizing that you know there's many truths and that yeah, perfect and imperfect. Mm-hmm. It all belongs. Yes. It all belongs. It yeah. does. It does. And that is a very good way of talking about yin and yang right? Mm. That perfectly imbalanced, perfectly balanced, (laughs) imperfectly balanced, all of it in combination and permutations of each other. So thank you so much, Velda. This has been such an exceptional conversation for me with you. You have definitely demonstrated all the different multiple facets of food love, you know, the space between terroir and the Tao of food. I look forward to reading your work more. Thank you. Thank you.